Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to build your faith and equip you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Nehemiah 8:10b tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Today, I'll be talking with a woman who has contended for joy. She teaches about biblical joy and she lives joy. Danette Joy Crawford, very appropriate name, is the founder and president of Joy Ministries, host of the TV show Joy with Danette Crawford, author of multiple books, and minister of the gospel. Being a single mom, Danette has a special place in her heart for other women struggling to raise their children alone. I know you will be inspired and encouraged by what God has done for her, in her, and through her. Welcome, Danette. Thank you so much. It's an honor and blessing to be here. Danette, you lead a vibrant ministry to at-risk youth and single moms. You host and produce a weekly TV show that's also a podcast. You've written numerous books and you are a Bible teacher around the country, but it was a tough road to get there. Where and when did your God story start? How did you initially meet Jesus? Well, I actually accepted the Lord into my life at the age of 17. I uh, grew up going to a Methodist church, so I had that foundation. But when my parents divorced in the fifth grade, you know, we never, we didn't go every week. We would go Christmas, we would go Easter, we would go special times, but I had that foundation. But at the age of 17, I did something I said I never would do. And that was, I went into the Holy Roller Church in our town. I said, I'd never go there. And I went and the rest is history. So what did you encounter when you stepped into that church? What changed in your life? Well, actually everything. But when I went there that day, I uh, I went with just hesitancy. I was kept being asked to go. And I looked around and I saw a girl, her name was Hope. And Hope was uh, she lived in my neighborhood and I just, I felt, I didn't know what it was. It was the drawing of the Holy Spirit to me for me to accept Jesus, but I didn't know what it was, but I knew that the preacher was preaching my story. So I looked around and said, who in here knows me? I called the girl because I was too shy and timid to go up front that day to get saved. I called the girl who lived in my neighborhood and I prayed with her over the telephone to give my life to the Lord. You know, that's such an important point that, you know, we as friends have so much influence and impact, you know, on other people, on those who don't know Jesus. Uh, It's not just the preachers from the stage who influence really more. It's the lives we live in front of the people that we know. So at what point did God call you into full-time ministry? Did you know right away when the Holy Spirit hit you that I'm going to be a full-time minister? Or was there a process that you went through? No, and I'll tell you this story. It's, It's kind of funny. So I got saved at 17, and then there was an evangelist that came and preached a revival. I didn't know what an evangelist was. I didn't know what a revival was. He came and he preached, and... When he was there, because I kept feeling in my heart after I got saved, I kept feeling that the Lord wanted me to travel and tell people about Jesus. And so the only thing I grew up in the country, the only thing that I could think of that traveled was a truck driver. And literally, I'm thinking I'm going to be a truck driver 
and tell people about Jesus. That's the only thing. And when this evangelist came and the evangelist who was traveling and I found out what an evangelist was, I said, that's what I'm supposed to do. And that was the beginning. So then at the age of 19, I actually started as the youth pastor in that church. And I started traveling at the age of 21 as an evangelist and have been traveling ever since. So you really dug into Christianity and your faith and the Bible as soon as you became a Christian. Did you have someone mentoring you at that point, discipling you? What was, you know, what, how did you really get grounded in your faith at that young age? Well, I had someone encouraging me, and that was my Sunday school teacher and my youth leader at the time. So what, you know, I had to, I didn't, I didn't have a knowledge of the word. I had a knowledge of pray believe God, you know, um, but I didn't have a knowledge of the word. So I, the first year, all of these things were just coming off of me. Things like I would go to nightclubs to dance. <laughs> I would, I would, and I was like, okay, wait a minute. I don't think I should be doing this. And you know, different things. And it was just shedding off of me. And this was my senior year of high school. So my Sunday school teacher would encourage me to keep coming. And my youth leader would encourage me. I didn't have family going with me. Here I am. I'm a senior in high school driving myself to church on Sunday morning. And so I didn't have family that was going with me. I was going by myself. And the Holy Spirit was really teaching you, even, even though you didn't have a lot of knowledge of the Bible, he was convicting you and teaching you and leading you in, into all truth, which is what the Holy Spirit does. Absolutely. To this day, I couldn't do anything without the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me and teaching me. You know, we were in graduate school together at Regent University. Um, after I graduated from college, I had no desire to continue for more education. I, I um, started interviewing and thought I was going to get this dream job. And then I kind of felt this leading of the Holy Spirit to go to graduate school. So in my brashness, I made a deal with God. I said, God, if I get this job, I'm going to take it. No questions asked. And if I don't, I'm going to graduate school. And as soon as I prayed that prayer, I knew I was going to graduate school. It was just like, okay, you're on. <laughs> so shortly after that, I packed up and I went, you know, up to Virginia. And I'm so glad I did because obedience to God is joyful. He created us. He knows us. He knows what delights us. So by the time I was done, I actually had two master's degrees. Uh, but Danette, how did you get to Regent from rural community and working in a church? I did my first two years of college in Maryland, and that's when I worked as the youth leader. My junior and senior year of high school, I transferred to Lee University, went to Lee, graduated, and it was a similar thing with you. I did not want to come here and, and get more education. I was ready to go win the world for Jesus. But the Lord said, I want you to go to Regent University and get your master's in counseling. That was another point of contention. I was like, God, I'm called to be an evangelist. Why do I need this degree? But it's all about obedience. And so I came here. God had everything positioned for me here that was going to begin to unfold for my life. So it was, again, obedience. And there's always blessings on the other side of obedience. Amen. Amen. I have seen that over and over again in my life. You know, when we just say yes to God, even when we don't have a uh, heart to do it, if we will be obedient and say, yes, he changes our heart and fills us with joy. What were some of the things that God showed you and taught you through your time at, at Regent? Well, the number one thing that God did was heal me. I had all kinds of baggage, all kinds of emotional wounds in my life. 
And so the number one reason, I always say this, the number one reason God sent me to get a degree in counseling was I needed counseling myself. So I had already been through some counseling, but I really needed the Lord to go in and heal me and deliver me and set me free. I would never be able to do what I was called to do if not. And I'll tell you, I um, I was very shy, very timid, very, I, I, I was not comfortable being out front. And so everything that God has called me to do is to be out front. So he had to heal the inside so I could function in my call and carry out his plan. So that's the number one thing. And that, that was a big number one thing. Yeah. And, and how did, I mean, how did he do that in you? I mean, I know you're sitting in classes, but uh, was there any kind of tipping point for you? Oh, there was a lot of tipping points. <laughs> there was a lot of tipping points. Um, I did my internship. I, I got into individual counseling and but the, it was really the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit set up situations and circumstances that showed me I needed to forgive those that had hurt me. I needed to be healed. I needed to be healed from rejection. I needed to be delivered from a spirit of rejection, all of these things. So it was really a process. I had to release, forgive, and be healed. Yeah. Forgiveness is so key, isn't it? You know, along the way, then you started a ministry to teach the word of God, which was not in line with that counseling degree. Um, But because God told you to do it, I'm sure it was just smooth sailing, right? Uh, No, but this is the thing. Honestly, so I walked in obedience to get my degree and I graduated in May. It wasn't to the end of July. I'm in Texas preaching revivals all over Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. I walked across the platform, shook Dr. Robertson's hand, got my degree and went on the road for three months. It wasn't to like the end of July that God told me why I was getting my degree in counseling. And he said, I don't want you just to preach at the people. I want you to minister to the people. And so I was getting an understanding of how to minister to the people. And I use that every single day in every book, in every television show, every podcast. It's about ministering to people and not preaching at them. But when you minister to them with the word, there you go. People get saved, delivered, and healed. Yeah. So uh, that was over 30 years ago now. And at that time, there weren't too many women leading ministries at that point or, or women evangelists or women ministers. Uh, what are some of the challenges you faced and what did you do that gave you that confidence and vision to continue? Well, absolutely. Trust me. I was a woman preacher in a man's world, hands down. And the denomination I got saved in the I got saved in um, the Church of God, and so that was a denomination that way back in the day they didn't have women ministers. My pastor, I was very blessed with Pastor Frank White, who he always encouraged me to follow my call. He's now in heaven. Um, he encouraged me, but I can tell you, everyone always asked me, "Was it an issue for you?" Can I tell you, it's never an issue unless we make it an issue. And I always say, don't let somebody else's issue be your issue because you have enough of your own. And so I had people from the get-go that did not believe in women preachers 
they would ask me to come and I wouldn't bring it up, you know, like, hey, I'm a woman and you don't even believe in this. But God spoke to me and showed me from the very beginning, it's the anointing. And all you have to worry and be concerned about is being anointed. And when you're anointed, it breaks the yoke of bondage. I can remember my first revival. It was a whole week long and it was in Oklahoma. And here I was, a young woman evangelist that they invited to come and preach. And there was a man that sat maybe four rows back and he kept looking at me and staring at me at through the whole service. And then he came up and he had this little cane. And I thought, this dude is going to like whack me upside the head with this cane. And he looked at me and he said, honey, I ain't never believed in them. there women preachers. That's how he said it in Oklahoma, them, they're women preachers. And I thought I could tell by the look on your face all night. And he said, but there's just something about you, honey. You just keep on preaching. And God showed me that night that it's the anointing. And Danette, all you have to do is be a carrier of my anointing and I'll take it from there. So I never bring it up. If they have an issue, I don't let their issue be my issue. I just flow and I've never, ever, ever had to ask for an opportunity from the day I accepted the call. And that's a whole another story. The day I finally surrendered, I'm in a big meeting with all of these men, preachers, old enough to be my grandfather and my father. And God's telling me I'm called to preach. And so I said, God, if this is you, I'll do it. And my phone began to ring and it's still ringing to this day. Well, you know, I have found the same to be true. I mean, I'm not an evangelist, but I have worked in uh, ministry, Christian ministry, my whole career and been the only woman in many meetings, leadership meetings. And it's never been an issue for me either, but I've never made it an issue. It's like, if God has opened the door for me, I'm going to walk through it. And I've seen him do that again and again. And, and those who make those things issues, they become stumbling blocks in their lives. Yeah. Don't let their issue be your issue because you got enough issues. <laughs> so just, you know, keep it moving. That's what I say. Keep it moving. So, you know, along the way, you're now a single mom. So along the way you got married, you started, you know, you had, you had a child and then you became a single mom. I know that wasn't in your plan. So tell us the personal side. I mean, what was going on with your life? How did you meet your husband? What happened? So I met my husband at church. His family was in leadership. Um, he had been through Bible school. I did all the right things. I waited. I didn't marry the first guy. Trust me. I waited and I stood in, in faith and believed God. The last thing I ever expected to be was a single mom. So we got married three years into the marriage. Um, I had my beautiful baby girl, conceived my daughter, Destiny Joy. And um, I was nine months pregnant. Five days before I delivered my daughter, my husband told me he was leaving and my whole world came crashing down. And what I've learned is your call doesn't change. Your circumstances change, your situations change. I didn't understand. I was like, God, I waited all of these years. I did all of the right things. God, what's up with this? And in the midst of the storm, I always say this, in the midst of your storm, don't try to figure out how you got in the storm focus on successfully coming through to the other side of the storm. So what I did was just keep focusing on the Lord. It pushed me into God. I had to choose every day. 
And, you know, for, I just kept standing in faith, fasting and praying, believing God for him to come back, our marriage to be restored. One year later, God spoke to him and he said, you're going to have to get up out of your mess and go do what you're called to do. And I knew at that time that I was going to go through a divorce, went through a divorce. He, um, soon, you know, all this is in the process and then he died. And so technically I became a widow all of this time, raising my daughter and raising my daughter as a single mom. So I took nine months off fasting and prayed. I didn't do any ministry, fasted and prayed for the nine months. And then God spoke to me and then I started ministering. So I literally took a year off and started ministering again when my daughter was one. That's when God opened the door for my national television ministry. And I say, God, this is not a good time. I'm believing God for diapers and baby food. And then suddenly <laughs> the open door. <laughs> yeah. I mean, single parents, they face a lot of a lot of challenges. I mean, my husband, he was a single parent for eight years after his first wife died. And I, I mean, I know the challenges and the struggles. He was trying to raise his kids and trying to work and, you know, trying to make ends meet all at the same time. I mean, how do you do that as a single mom? I mean, apart from being in ministry, which you were, I mean, you're a single mom trying to raise your daughter and trying to help her through the challenges of having just one parent. How did you help her through those? And and how did you make it through? I'm telling you, the only way I made it through was the Lord carried me and I had to be totally dependent on him. When people go through stuff and they don't fully depend on God, they can lean on people, circumstances, substances, everything else. You have a choice. And by God's grace, he enabled me to let, to surrender and let him carry me because he's carried me. And to this day, he carries me through. I had to focus on raising my daughter. My daughter, um, was always number one, always number one. I didn't have a normal job where I just went and got a normal paycheck. I didn't have that. I had all of the the pressures of building the ministry, of the staff, you know, so I'm telling you, it ain't easy. That's why I've written so many books. <laughs> I couldn't even put it all in one. But my, my testimony book is called Don't Quit in the Pit. And I would highly encourage folks to get it. And the reason is my, my publisher said, Danette, this is a classic and it really is. It's a resource guide, no matter where you're at in your life. And this is one you don't want to give away, buy another copy for somebody else. And I'm not saying that because it's my book, it is a resource guide. It's a manual. So you're saying, how did I get through? It is that don't quit in the pit because God has the power to turn it around and it's making the choice every day to go forward. I knew the scripture that said he's a father to the fatherless. And I hung on to that and I taught my daughter it was not easy, but it is possible. So give us an example. I mean, you say don't quit in the pit. I know, I, I know, you know, without knowing, there've got to be so many examples you could give of instances where you needed God to show up and he did. Give us a couple. Yeah. The number one thing is finances. And I wrote a whole book on that called God, You've Got Mail. Because the financial pressure was crazy. Uh, for a long time, my husband wasn't paying any child support. And then after he died, I didn't get child support. And so, you know, some people get this benefit, that benefit. There were no benefits. 
And even folks where he had worked said, I, we've never had anybody fall through every single crack. I had to rely on the Lord. Give me this day, my daily bread. But if I couldn't believe God for diapers and baby food back then, I could never believe God for millions of dollars for the ministry today. Every day, it still gives me this day, my daily bread. That's number one. Number two, I had to stay focused in my personal life. The Lord told me, do not date. Focus on raising the ministry and raising my daughter. Let me tell you, girl, for, oh, 21 years, I I have to do the math. That might have been 20. I have to count back. For 21, 22, I think it was 22 years, the Lord did not allow me to date. Fine-tuned focus. I had to be fine-tuned focused, not to date, not to fall for this, not to fall for that. I'm sure there were opportunities too. I mean, you're a beautiful woman. Well, thank you. And there were many, and there were many, and I had to keep the main thing, the main thing. And so God gave me the grace to keep running the race. The emotional uh, toll that it takes on parents when you are together is also difficult. So having that emotional toll of being single, wanting companionship. Um, You know, of course the Lord is our companion, but there's sometimes you want a human to touch. Did you have a group of women that you could really rely on and pray with? What was that support system like for you that helped you through? Well, definitely a support system. And I've surrounded myself with strong females. Exactly. I have male covering. I have big time male covering. I have a ministerial covering. Um, that pastor Dan Willis out of Chicago is my ministerial covering and he covers destiny and I, and then I have strong intercessors. I have a strong intercessor circle. I have a great board around me. I have an advisory board. So I have layers of covering that keep me covered. Absolutely. And then friends, God has blessed me with great friends, but it all came back to my choice. I had to choose And all of the layers that I have around me today, I didn't always have. And believe me, even in the midst of the layers, dealing with staff, dealing with people, there's been many times in in ministry we go through betrayals. Not the only betrayal. It's not that my marriage was the only betrayal I've been through. We've been through a lot of betrayals, but so did Jesus. And it causes us to make a choice. Are we going to push into God? Are we going to go away, push away? Yeah, it goes back to that forgiveness thing, doesn't it? Absolutely. Choosing to forgive every day. Embrace the new, yeah. So you talked a little bit about the financial strain that you went through. And I mean, starting a ministry is challenging for anyone. What are some of the miracles that God did that you saw as you were starting up that ministry, uh, your ministry? What are some of those miracles, the doors that he opened that no man could open for you? I started the ministry way before I was married. So I had the ministry. The ministry didn't start when I became a single mom. So the ministry started um, 33 years ago when I got out of graduate school and I started Joy Ministries. And then later I started Danette Crawford Ministries, which is the national ministry. And so many different uh, miracle provisions. When I started the app, when I became a single mom, then I started outreaches that had to do with single moms because I realized what they went through. And I'll I'll never forget, this is our, this, we just finished 22 years. This coming up Mother's Day will be our 23rd year for our Mother's Day celebration. I'll never forget, 
it's just so much money to do that outreach. And I, I had a big deadline and I had someone, I still don't know who that someone was from Alaska send me like, I don't remember if it was seven or $800 cash through the mail. I'm in a prayer meeting here in my office praying. And so our office door is closed uh, during, you know, that time, but through the drop box, the mailman dropped this letter in and I heard a plop and it was heavy and it was thick and I'm surprised it even made it in the U.S. mail. It was cash from, I said, my angel in Alaska. The only thing on that envelope was the um, the little logo that said the date and where it and it was mailed from Anchorage, Alaska. And it was a miracle. So there's been many. Just in time. Amen. <laughs> He's on time. Yeah. So tell us uh, about how you started this ministry to single moms. I mean, I know you were a single mom, but how did that come about? And what, what actually do you do with single moms? So I started television when my daughter was one. That had been a promise. God told me 13 years before that I'd been on everybody else's show around the country. God said, you're going to have your own show. At the least likely time, God opened the door. Only God. So you said, which door? Only God could have opened that door. All of these large ministries wanted that time slot. Back in the day, it was Inspirational Network. It's now TBN here in Hampton Road. They called me and offered me an hour prime time. It was miraculous. Mm-hmm. So they they gave me that time. And I began to record in my living room because that's all I had to do. But then, so people started calling in through television and wanted me to do a women's breakfast and have, you know, an event. So I set that up and God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, the last thing that these women need is another breakfast. I want you to go to the subsidized housing and reach out to the single moms. So that's what I did. I canceled the breakfast. Everybody that wanted to come to the breakfast, I invited them to come to the outreach. Not many people wanted to come to the outreach. So we went over there. I, the gospel, I gave out food. I knew what these women needed because I was in the same boat. We went, began to feed the poor, give groceries, give food, pray for them. We had an altar call. We What we did is we gathered everybody together before we did the drawing. The drawing was a $100 gift card to Walmart. That was my dream gift back in the day. And so we did that, but we preached the gospel first. And that's how it began. And what have you seen God do through that ministry to single women? I mean, have you seen a lot of them come to Christ? Are they getting plugged in? Absolutely. And we have 23 community outreaches that all started from that time. Wow. 23. What are they? So the main categories are their outreaches to, to youth and for youth and single moms, and then also poor and needy. So the, the outreaches for the uh, children, the at-risk youth come in different categories, the categories of education and the category of mentoring. So the different outreaches that we've done for mentoring at-risk youth, we need to get the word of God in them. All of our mentoring programs are about getting the word. There's a whole generation that does not know the word of God. In the educational, a ticket out of poverty is teaching a child to read. The very foundation of all education is reading. So we teach the children to read. Those are, and there's different outreaches under those categories. Then outreaches to single moms, which includes the father's house programs, which assist in housing, homelessness, feeding, Um, utilities, all kinds of things. 
Another one for the single moms are our Mother's Day, uh, our Mother's Day outreach, our single moms life group, various things, and then the poor and the fatherless. The um, our our feeding programs. We have feeding Fridays. We have field trip Fridays in the summer. We have um, the uh, bread of life program that is feeding and, and food assistance all year long. So as you're doing all of this, and uh, is your daughter involved? I mean, did she kind of come along and catch the vision for ministry as well? Or she was my first volunteer. <laughs> she was my first volunteer. I used to take her in her little carrier. And we would go over and I would do prayer rocks in that neighborhood. So we started all of that when she was one. And she's been with me at the age of 10. She helped, you know, she was volunteering all of these years. And at the age of 10, she worked as a volunteer in our summer reading camp. And she taught, helped teach a child to read. She saw her volunteering, teaching that child to read, and it changed her life. During the time I was on a book tour... So I was touring on my book tour for Don't Quit in the Pit. And that tour was like two and a half years. It just kept going on and on and on. So many opportunities for that book. And so I homeschooled her fifth, sixth, and seventh grade. And God told me that if I homeschooled her during those vital years, that when everybody else, when she went back in eighth grade, when everybody else was wondering what they were called to do, she would know. And that's exactly what happened. And so she's a teacher. She works with us in the summer. And then she works in the public school system for at-risk youth in Title I schools, preaching the gospel and changing the lives of at-risk youth. Wow. So you really, I mean, you really grounded her and God called her even at a young age, not to the exact same thing you do. Sometimes as parents, we confuse our kid's call with our call uh, or missed opportunity but God spoke to her a new thing for her to do. That's boy, don't we need the Christian influence in schools today? Yes. And that's just a season because actually that's one of the things. So she works with us and she does that. Uh, but that is just one part of her call, but God unfolds it. And just like me, he, he reveals it one step at a time. He does. He does for all of us. I think I've had four different careers over my time and, you know, in each one, it prepared me for the next step. So God's always moving us on to the next thing for his glory. If we get too secure and safe where we are, uh, we're not really relying on God anymore, are we? No. (laughs) So uh, God has done so much in you to bring you to the place of overflowing joy. I'm sure there were some really times where you were just crying out to God saying, why? (laughs) What is going on? We've heard some of what God's done for you, but there's so much more. And now I'd love to hear just some of the things that you've seen God do through you. I mean, you've shared a little bit, but what miracles have you seen God do? I think, I think we need to be reminded of the miracles that God longs to perform. Absolutely. Well, I'll start with a, a miracle that he did in my life. So when I, um, when I carried my daughter, so in the midst of my husband leaving and everything, I had some major physical challenges. Um, lo- make a long story short, I had a broken back, a 100% compressed fracture. I do not have a T10 vertebrae. And so my T10 vertebrae totally collapsed. And um, the, the surgeon, Dr. Donald Chan over at UVA, he is now retired. He's the surgeon that operated on Christopher Reeves, Superman, when he had his accident. 
he told me, um, I said in the office, he told me I needed two major surgeries. And if I didn't have the surgery, I would be paralyzed. This was May, 2001. He said, I needed to, I needed to take, I needed to, they needed to make a vertebrae. They deflate your lungs, take out a rib, grind it down, make a vertebrae and put it in, in the place of T10 and put a rod in my back. So he said, I would be out of commission for a year. I said, hmm, I am a single mom. I can't be out of commission for five minutes, right? And so I said, but I know that God does miracles through doctors and all of that. If I'm to have this surgery, so be it. But I need to get a word from God. I got a word from God. God told me, don't give up on believing for my miracle. My miracle was not manifested May 2001. It was November 4th, 2004. They kept telling me I was going to be paralyzed if I didn't have the surgery. I just kept doing by faith, once I got the word, a little bit more every day, standing in faith for God to do my miracle. November 4th, 2004 was totally manifested. Went back to Donald Chan, December 28th, the same year. He re-exmayed me, re-examined me, and he said, he sat down and talked to me for 25 minutes. He said, I now believe in miracles. He said, I never believed in miracles. I believe in miracles. And then this, the, the x-rays later on showed it was a picture-perfect surgery. I had a neurosurgeon ask me years later, who did your surgery at T10? It's a picture-perfect surgery. And I said, Jesus. That was the, the springboard of miracles that then God has began to do through me. See, everything we go through in life, God wants to use it. I'm going through all that as a single mom, trust me. So here I am. I was in, and I, I would always say, God, I want to see miracles greater. I remember one night I was in um, a, a miracle crusade, doing a crusade in um, Mexico. And I said, God, I've never seen, I want a miracle tonight that I've never seen before, that I've never experienced and been a part of. A lady whose eye was blinded from birth, God opened her eye. So many miracles, so many miracles. That's just one. Two, three. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, pondering and praying lately. You know, I mean, we're all we're all uh, hungering for revival. You know, we hear words that God is going to do a massive revival across our nation, uh, back you know, bigger than it was in the '60s and '70s when hundreds of millions of people across the country came to the Lord. And um, I was just pondering, reading the book of Acts, you know, pondering this one day. And the Lord just kind of revealed to me, miracles come from when we have compassion enough, compassion like Jesus enough to extend it to the hurting around us. And oftentimes we pray for people, not out of compassion, but out of duty or out of religiosity or but without the compassion that that motivates us, oftentimes there's a a broken link, and we all need a, a rebirth of that compassion of Jesus. I mean, when you read about the Gospels, he was moved with compassion. We need to be moved with compassion in these situations to see the full manifestation of the signs and wonders and miracles that that were in the early church. Yes, for twenty years. For 20 years, the first weekend of the month, I did a local miracle service. Every every first weekend of the month, I did it. And during that time, we saw so many miracles. And it was that very thing. I'll never forget. I had a, a lady come out of a wheelchair that night. And um, 
I said, it's the very thing. I said, Lord Jesus, you were moved by compassion. And I would always know, like my compassion, I would be interceding for people that would be coming because people came from states away that would come. And when I when I was doing that and and my compassion, it was like I was extending my compassion to stand in the gap to pray for their miracle that would be manifested. Amen. So it's right exactly what you're saying. So, Danette, I know that we have limited time t- today, but what are what are one or two things that you most want women to understand in their walk with the Lord? And not just women, believers in general. Uh, what are some of the things that are most lacking that we need a revelation of from the Lord? Well, number one, all of your needs are met from the Lord. All your emotional needs are met from the Lord. All of your needs are met from the Lord. When you, you're not ready for a relationship until you know that everything you need is found in Jesus. When you're a whole person and you're focused. And I want to say this, the most fulfilling thing ever is to do your call. That of all of the hats I wear, my favorite hat ever is being a mom. I'm so blessed that my daughter, that the Lord blessed me with my daughter. But that was one part of my call. And I had to make it the number one priority. Every single part of my call, when I'm doing it, when you do what you're called to do, it's so satisfying. And the the big shocker to me is all that I'm doing. If you would have asked me when I got out of school, high school, college, everything, the thing that I would say of all of the things listed The thing I would least expect me to do would be write books, do television, public speaking. But it's so satisfying when you're doing your call. So seek God about your assignment. No one else's assignment, but your assignment. Mm, That is true. Uh, Oftentimes we see somebody else and we think, wow, if I could have their life, wouldn't everything be perfect? Of course, we never know all the things that God took them through to get them where they are, but we're not called to be anybody else. Right. The grass always looks greener on the other side, but when you get over there, you realize they have to mow it and spray it too. Yeah. You know, there's a scripture. It says, uh, God has prepared good works in advance for us and he prepares good works, different good works for each of us. And it's that finding out what those good works that God's prepared for me, for you, because he created us specifically for those good works. So I love to ask my my guess, if there's a woman in the Bible that has, whose story has really inspired or encouraged or taught you something and how her story relates to yours, can you share one? Well, two, Ruth and Esther. So Ruth went through a whole lot, but she had to stay dedicated, faithful, and loyal to the very end, not looking for anything about herself. When we die to self and make it all about Jesus, all about our assignment, all about the righteous thing to do, God will send you into the bonus realm. And your Boaz blessing doesn't come from a man always. It might, but not always. God taught me years ago that because he said, Danette, you have stepped into your Boaz blessing because you've been faithful, loyal, committed, It doesn't come from a man. It comes right from the hand of God. And so that's, that's Ruth. And then Esther was an ordinary girl that God had called to do extraordinary things. And she was called at a young 
age. And she had to be focused and willing to lay down her life, no matter what. If I perish, I perish, no matter what. And then when she got to the palace, she had to continue to remember, it's not about you. It's about the, the people and for the sake of the people have God, has God put you there. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Danette shared how she's been able to prosper in the joy of the Lord by following his path, even when it didn't match her expectations. And the same joy is available for you, dear listeners. Danette, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who's listening to your God story? Lord, I just thank you, God, that what you've done for me, you want to do for every single listener. I pray right now, God, that the hope of Christ would rise up in them. Those that find themselves in need of a miracle, those that find themselves depressed, lonely, broke, in need of hope, in need of rescue, in need of a miracle, in need of breakthrough. God, I thank you that you assure them that this too shall pass. Their current situations and circumstances are temporary and you are about to bring them to the other side. Father, I thank you that they lean on you and you give them grace for the race every single day in Jesus' name. And if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, if they don't know you, that the, their maker is their husband, that they would know you in that intimate way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you will find links to Danette's books, God, You've Got Mail, Don't Quit in the Pit, Total Turnaround, and others. By the way, don't you just love those titles? I think they're inspired. Uh, there are also will be links to Joy Ministries, as well as the scriptures and other information we talked about today. Don't forget to sign up for periodic emails and download a free devotional on Women of the Bible. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line. Give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and review it on Apple Podcast or whatever streaming service you have. We'd love for you to share this story with friends who might enjoy it and be sure to like or follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.